0: Welcome to this episode of Tetlink in Conversation. I'm Eddie Grant, a Director at Technical Connection. During our conversations, we seek to review the topical bulletins published on Tetlink. Tetlink is our knowledge management tool for all things tax, trusts, pensions, and much, much more. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Barbara Gardner. Barbara leads the Technical Connection's projects and project teams on all aspects of the design and maintenance of trusts and trust-based strategies. Hello Barbara, how are you and how has the last six months been for you?
1: Hello Eddie, I'm fine, but I can't believe it's been six months. The entire spring and summer just gone. Although I'm used to working at home, so that's no problem. I miss seeing colleagues and uh, another thing I miss is travelling. Let's hope it won't last too
0: long. And how are you? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm great, thank you. I think uh, like yourself it's been uh, definitely an interesting time and uh it looks like we've 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 got another probably 6 months or so to go. So uh it will it'll be we it'll be definitely an interesting Christmas anyhow this year. Um so what I wanted to try and do uh because you've written a, a lot of notes around Um, financial planning and and the issue of uh, incapacity. So I wonder if you could um, just really sort of talk to us a little bit about that if if you can.
1: Uh, Well, yes, sure. I mean, the incapacity is uh, uh, something that is uh, very topical at the moment. Um, Obviously, one of the, the key points is that people have become incapacitated because of the pandemic. Um, As we know also, it's not just a question of physical health uh, that uh, COVID causes problems with, but also mental health. Uh, We also know that more people uh, during the pandemic have been concerned about incapacity because there has been more demand, for example, for uh, making powers of attorney. Uh, Pandemic, of course, is just part of the story. Um, Unfortunately, the number of people falling victims of dementia is uh, increasing. Um, And as you probably know, as I've written, September is the world Alzheimer's month. Um, So it's also a good time to discuss the issue of incapacity. Uh, I think most people generally are aware that incapacity, dementia is a problem. And I think most people um, probably have come across the problem uh, amongst the family members or, or neighbors. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, uh, especially amongst English people, it's not subject that people like to talk about. It sometimes feels that it's easier to discuss problems uh, of death than uh, in fact incapacity. And uh, possibly because uh, there may be more real fear about incapacity. A financial advisor speaks to someone about protection on death and says uh, uh, the typical sort of starting conversation, imagine that you died yesterday and what will happen and your client knows that you didn't die yesterday, therefore there's nothing to worry about. So conversation flows from there. But if you start the conversation, imagine... You have just lost your mental capacity. That is an ongoing problem for the future, and it's something that is feared and uh, possibly something that people generally don't want to talk about. But if you look at the statistics, it's actually quite frightening, and we've had some statistics recently issued by the... Very Alzheimer's society. For example, that we have 850,000 people with dementia living in the UK, and this is projected to rise to 1.6 million in 20 years' time. And then this year alone, more than 200,000 people will develop dementia. And uh, it's not just People say over 80, although apparently one in six people over 80 suffers from dementia. But there are over 40,000 people under age 65 who have dementia. So it's definitely something that, that needs to be addressed. And... As a matter of fact, at technical connection, we have seen increasing number of questions, and uh, especially in relation to uh, trustees, set laws, what happens where where the individual loses capacity, and how to deal with particular situations. So this is why the 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 subject is is so topical at the moment.
0: And uh, so that 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 sort of uh, issue for. Trustees is really interesting, one isn't it? I know you've you've looked at that uh in, in detail. So um is there um is there a difference uh in the situation if the settler loses capacity?
1: Well there is a difference, but I mean generally speaking, if you look at anybody losing capacity, obviously it's it's important to that individual in the family, but it is particularly relevant to trustees because uh, Uh, by definition, trustees are looking after property for other people. So other duties and responsibilities are involved. If just any individual loses capacity, then hopefully they will have either made a power of attorney or usually there will be a family member who will step in. And so in any event, it's unlikely that that matters will ground to a halt. But with trusts and trustees the the problem is is different because especially in england when with a trust you need all the trustees to make decisions unanimously if one trustee loses capacity then basically it may be impossible to uh, carry out certain transactions uh, let me give you a couple of examples from uh recent Facebook that we've had, often a trust uh, would have been created several years ago, funds invested for growth, say in an investment bond or collective, so nothing has happened for years, and then uh, currently, as a result of the pandemic, and as a result of the resultant stock market falls, basically, uh, there will be two typical situations involving trustees, Either the trustees would want to review the investments of the trust, or perhaps uh, and perhaps switch some of the investments uh, to more secure funds, or trustees may wish to withdraw some funds because a beneficiary needs support, whether it's cash or you know, it needs to uh, it needs to pay for care or whatever. In either case, all of the trustees will need to make a decision and if anything is to happen such as surrender withdrawal moving funds then all of the trustees have to sign all the necessary forms before a transaction can take place now if one of the trustees is incapable it may be impossible to actually do anything unless there is a replacement trustee appointed in place of that incapable trustee so as you can see it might become really quite complicated and uh, you ask specifically about the position of a settler now that needs to be considered separately frequently and in fact probably with most trusts that we deal with the settler will also be one of the trustees however a settler under a trust may have some special powers reserved specific for the settler very often the settler will have a power to appoint benefits under a trust rather than trustees and that would be the settler obviously whilst the settler is alive now ideally the trust will provide what should happen if the settler loses capacity but it may not and then you know the issue what the trustees need to do will be a separate issue which will be necessary before any decisions are made, for example, in relation to investments and cashments of investments, payment of cash to beneficiaries. But uh, if there is a specific power reserved for the settler, then we need to look separately at what can happen in such circumstances. And uh, it may be actually a bit more complicated than with replacing trustees, but I think that's for another session.
0: <laughs> so thinking about this issue around um, trustees and replacing the trustees, um, what happens if there's no specific provision in the trust deed and the trustee loses capacity? What, what would you sort of say that, that uh, advisors and trustees should, should consider?
1: Well, I think we need to start by saying that ideally there should be a provision in the trust deed.
0: Yeah. And I
1: think there is a point to 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 any advising on a new trust to verify that uh, the trust deed actually provides that uh, there is a power to remove or replace trustee who has become incapable. And uh, uh, in most modern trusts will, will have such provisions, however, of course, especially when advisors use trust uh, forms provided by insurance companies, investment houses, not all the trusts are the same. So they they really ought to check that there is such a provision in debt. Now, if there is no specific provision in the trust deed, then um, as with all basically trust law, if you haven't got specific provision in the trust document, you need to look to statutory provisions or case law. Uh, in the case of uh, replacing trustees, there are a number of statutory provisions which can help, although it varies depending on the circumstances, on the type of trust, the, who the trustee is, whether the trustee actually has uh, any beneficial interest under mm-hmm. the trust or not. And in some cases, uh, it may be easier without going to court, and in some cases, an application to court will be necessary. Uh, Without going too much in detail, the most useful provision is in Section 36 of the Trustee Act 1925, which allows for a replacement trustee to be appointed if there is a trustee who is unfit to act or is incapable of acting, and here, obviously, if trustee has lost mental capacity, then this trustee will be incapable of acting as long as there is someone who is acting as trustee, so basically, you need to have at least two trustees, and that person is still capable and is willing and able to act now in such a case, if the trustee who has lost capacity has not, uh, does not have any beneficial interest under the trust, and basically nobody objects to it, so there is no, uh, no contentious issue involved, then it should be possible for the capable trustee to replace the incapable trustee by appointing another trustee in that place so obviously a special deed of appointment or replacement will have to be drawn up but it should be fairly straightforward obviously some evidence of incapacity will be needed and in such case you would normally uh, recommend that a solicitor is involved because basically the question of capacity is important; that it needs to be established, and it's not something that uh, uh, you know anybody, including, with all due respect, to financial advisors, could determine by themselves. And obviously, ideally, it should be someone that uh, the relevant parties, i.e., beneficiaries, are comfortable with, etc. Now, if a replacement of a trustee under section 36 is not possible for whatever reason usually because there is no continuing trustee then or there is a dispute of some kind then an application to the court will have to be made then under section 41 of the same of the same act but it's a different division of the Court, it's it's Chancery Division of High Court, so it's more costly, more complicated. So, with some luck, it won't come to that. There is one other provision which may help, which is uh, under the Trust of London Trustee Delegation Act. But that is only relevant if all the beneficiaries of the trust are ascertained, of full age and in agreement, and they can basically replace any trustee. And uh, so it would effectively be the sort of trust. It doesn't have to be absolute trust. For example, it could be a trust where there is a life tenant and two adult children who will benefit on death of the life tenant. So you have all the beneficiaries ascertained, and uh, in such a case, those three individuals say can appoint another trustee in place of a uh, trustee who has become incapacitated without having to go to court.
0: So that's really interesting. So I think, um, I suppose the other bit that uh, sort of springs to mind um, is we tell everyone to to make sure that they have power of attorney in place. Um, so what happens um, if a trustee has done that? Can can the attorney act on on their behalf?
1: Well, it's a very good question because I actually a lot of people think that that's the case, and uh, we have seen uh, a number of uh, uh, cases where attorney submits uh, various documents on behalf of the trustee, but in fact that is not the case, and the reason for it is very straightforward. Basically, you can appoint an attorney and to deal with your property and financial affairs, or to do with your welfare. Basically, your attorney can deal with anything that you can deal for yourself, for your own financial affairs. Now, as trustee, you are dealing with somebody else's property. And for that reason, an attorney, under a power of attorney, cannot just step into your shoes as trustee and deal with somebody else's affairs and uh, uh, it's it's really that straightforward basically no you can't do it there are some provisions which some of them can be actually very useful at this time in the pandemic for example a trustee that is mentally still capable can appoint an attorney for a maximum of 12 months that is under Section 25 of the Trustee Act 1925, and that is useful where somebody is isolating or can't, for whatever reason, uh, undertake all the duties, maybe out of a country or or whatever. However, such a power of attorney ends as soon as the trustee, um, the original trustee, becomes. Uh, incapable so that effectively it's only a replacement which is obviously a temporary replacement uh, but it's it's only relevant if the trustee still has capacity there's one other situation when an attorney can act on behalf of the trustee but that is the only situation where the trustee in fact is also a beneficiary under the trust and has a beneficial interest in land held subject to a trust. So, for example, i mentioned uh, a life interest trust is a life interest trust which holds a property which is occupied by the life tenant. And uh, in this case, uh, if the trustee who is also the life tenant becomes incapable, then the attorney acting under a power of attorney can step into the shoes of that trustee, but only in relation to the property that is basically occupied by the life tenant or the proceeds of that property. And that is obviously to make things simpler in such situations, because it pretty much affects the property that an individual will be occupying, say, as their home, And, and it might get too complicated if you had to go to court and that sort of thing so but general conclusion has to be that power of attorney as such will not help you so if you are a trustee and you have lost capacity the fact that you have appointed an attorney to act in relation to your own property makes no difference as far as the trust of which you are a trustee is concerned
0: that's, that's really interesting and i th- I think it um certainly dispels one of the one of the myths I think that uh, that uh is around in terms of financial planning um so we like to leave people uh with a couple of ideas and tips um on each one of these sessions and uh and and what would you say are the sort of three top tips for uh, Advisers when they're dealing with uh, trustees
1: right well when an advisor deals with trustees, this will usually involve advising on trust investments. Now, the good news for the advisor is that the trustees have a statutory duty under the trustee Act two thousand to obtain and consider proper advice. so the advisor starts from a good position because effectively. The trustees, well, with few minor exceptions, but basically they have no choice but to listen. Now, my three tips for advisors would be the first, always, always about exception, get a copy of the trust read. Or, obviously, if the trust was created in someone's will on their death, then you need to get a copy of the will. This will tell you the type of trust you are dealing with, and also who has what powers under the trust. Um, number two, whilst the trustees are in principle just another client looking for investment advice, um, the necessary fact find before you can make a recommendation will obviously be more complicated because you have three parties involved: settle the trustees and the beneficiaries, and sometimes. The same person will fall into one or two categories, so possibly three, uh, but nevertheless there are those three parties who will have uh, different roles and different, possibly different objectives. Uh, so an advisor must establish details of all three parties. So this is the complicated bit and this is what distinguishes trustees as a client from any other client, that you have to look at all three parties. But particularly, you need to discuss with the trustees the situation of the beneficiaries and their objectives. And that obviously is something that is particularly important during the pandemic and something that needs to be stressed to the trustees, how important it is to perhaps even review the situation as far as the beneficiary situation is concerned. Things may have changed because of the pandemic. Um, the question of communication with beneficiaries is has become more important than ever, and that is sometimes something that has uh, um, been neglected by the trustees. and uh, And the the advisor here he needs to act in in relation not to perhaps just investments, but the whole area of trust. You need to look at the trust situation holistically. And the third point that I would say is very important is for the advisor to be familiar with taxation aspects of the type of trust. So once you've got a copy of the trust, you've established what sort of trust is it, then make sure you're up to date on the taxation aspects of the trust, that is, income tax, capital gains tax, uh, inheritance tax, etc. As whatever happens with the trust may have tax implications. And one point to mention, of course, at this moment especially, we need to be aware of the possible um, tax changes that potentially are in the offing whenever the the next budget happens, and in particular um, the, the changes to capital taxation have been mentioned, such as potential increases to capital gains tax rates. So all those topical issues need to be discussed with the trustees. Um, and finally, uh, obviously, if the advisor still needs some help or assistance with the trust or taxation aspects, then they need to contact Technical Connection.
0: That that last point was the best um, uh, point, <laughs> so well well made. Um, Barbara, I'd just like to say uh, thank you for your time today. Really, really appreciated. I know you've been uh, battling with drilling in the background and... Uh, and you did a sterling job, just just uh, keep on going. So thank you so much for your time, really appreciate it and look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Eddie, all the
0: best. Thank you. The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.